reading from the third chapter of the epistle to the Philippians, beginning with verse 1. Finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is not troublesome to me, and for you it is a safeguard. Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of those who mutilate the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, who worship in the Spirit of God and boast in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh, even though I too have reason for confidence in the flesh. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but the one that comes from faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the sharing of His sufferings by becoming like Him in His death if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Reading from the twelfth chapter of the Gospel according to John, beginning with the first verse. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom He had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for Him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So have you ever heard one of those testimonies that goes kind of like this? 
Well, before I knew Jesus, I was chasing women and drinking every night and having a good old time. And then Jesus changed my life. And those people sound miserable. Have you ever heard, heard, heard that? I want to ask you, please don't do that. Be more like Paul. Listen to what he said. He said, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Paul had it all going for himself, he thought. He was rising up in the circuit of the Pharisees. He was important enough that he was the one who held the coats of the people who stoned Stephen outside of the temple. Paul was being well respected for the person that he was. And he's saying to the Philippians and to us, I had it all going for me. I was well respected, well educated. I was, ba- I was circumcised on the eighth day. I did everything right. My parents raised me correctly. I was a member of the tribe of Benjamin, which was one of the two tribes of Israel that still considered themselves pure at that time. He was as good as you could get as a Jew. Kept the law He said, I was so zealous that I was out persecuting those darn Christians who were just mutilating our faith. He said, that's how good I was. And then he said that compared to knowing Jesus, that's all rubbish. Which is a really clean way of saying it's manure. Which is a really clean way of saying whatever you're thinking right now. Because the word that Paul said was slang, and it was ringing with that same thing of what we say if you step in it. He was saying that everything, all of that pomp, all that greatness, that all that stuff that everybody would have said was great about him was nothing comparing to simply knowing Christ Jesus. That compared to that, it was all poop. That knowing Jesus is better. When I read Paul's story, I'm pretty convinced that Paul didn't want to know Jesus. You know what I mean? He decides to go out there and round some of Jesus' followers up, and all of a sudden Jesus appears to him on a road, on a road blinds him, sends him to, to a house, and this prophet named Annas comes and opens his eyes, and suddenly he understands who Jesus is. And that begins a love affair for Paul with Jesus. A love of Christ that is greater than his love of all the labels and all of the brilliant things he could say about himself. I think it's unfortunate sometimes that we can watch some pastors, some ministers, some people who are supposed to lead the people of God in humility and watch them hold their hands out and wait for their churches to applaud for them. Or watch them steal from their churches or watch them do other things that neglect their churches. I think those things happen when Christians become more enamored with the stuff of this world than they are with the Lord of this world, with the one who created it. Affection is important, isn't it, church? Whatever has our heart, that's where our kingdom is. That's where our treasure is. Whatever has our heart will be the meaning, the substance, and everything of our life. If there's no happiness in our life, we will not be very affectionate, will we? Jane Austen said that, that every woman should be more like nine-tenths times more affectionate than they are when they don't want to be affectionate. 
C.S. Lewis hit us too, guys. He said that affection was the source of our happiness, of any solid and true happiness in our life, that it had to be built on affection. On loving someone. Affection is what we do when we love, right? Any of you ever heard the term paduh? No? I'll take the silence as a no. I learned paduh at the first time I dropped the kids off to Salkahatchee. And they started talking about the rules. And the guy, the leader said, no paduh. And all the kids went, uh. I'm like, what is paduh? I thought maybe it was some kind of new ice cream cone or something, you know. Some treat. Something that they were really expecting to get. But a paduh is a public display of affection. <laughs> and then it made more sense to me, right? You can't have kids over at the house that they're working on necking in the corner while they're working on the roof, right? It doesn't work that way. Public displays of affection have always been a no-no in culture. Even in Jesus' day. Paul, when he wrote this letter, is making a public display of his affection for Christ. He's saying, this is who I am now. My Jewishness does not define me. My Christness defines me. The Messiah has taken hold of me, he said. Apprehended me. In the version of the Bible that I read to you today, it says Christ has made me His own. But the word there is, very, is the same word that Mark uses to describe when a demon has taken, care, taken charge of a young boy that needs to be killed. He's saying Jesus has possessed all of me. He's taken hold of me. He's grabbed hold of me. And now all that stuff I used to be is like manure. It's a love letter. He's writing to us about His love for Christ because He wants us to have that same love. And I think there was that's what offended Judas. Not that Judas just wanted the money out of the thing. Judas was offended by the woman's love for the rabbi. She did some things that she shouldn't have done in that day. She should not have let her hair down in the presence of a man. Kind of interesting that letting your hair down has similar connotations for us, doesn't it? When we say we're going to relax, what are we doing? We're letting our hair down. I've never had hair I could let down. Well, not since I was 16 anyway. But to say we're going to let our hair down means we're going to act in ways that maybe aren't normal for us, right? We're going to relax. We're going to cut loose and be happy. And a lot of times that, enjoy, that, that kind of means paduh, doesn't it? Public displays of affection. It means we're going to allow ourselves to be loose enough around other people to talk about how we care for people. But that's hard for us, isn't it? Some people don't even like to laugh. Some people aren't sure about what's funny. There are all sorts of ways that we find out whether or not we're compatible with someone. I remember taking a girl to the prom my senior year, and we decided we should go out before we went to the prom, because back then you didn't do fancy stuff like get a t-shirt that made you say go to prom, when you just looked at the kid that sat beside you in the homeroom and said, hey, will you go to prom with me? You know, it wasn't complicated then. Um, and she said, yeah, we thought we should go out, so we went to see an Ernest movie. Y'all remember Ernest? Right? Know what I mean, Vern? Y'all with me? Right? So we went to see Ernest. Um, goes to camp. Now, this was not my wife. And that's why she's not my wife, because she didn't laugh at all. 
And I figured out right away that if she couldn't laugh at Ernest, she couldn't marry me. Because I want to be happy. And I enjoy public displays of love. And I enjoy when people laugh together. That's my soul. That's my spirit. I love to be happy and laugh. I don't want to be miserable. Do y'all? What if we spent more time thinking about who we are now in Christ and celebrating that than regretting things we've been asked to leave behind? Do you think it would change who we are in public? Do you think it would change who we are with our coworkers? Would we be more ready to admit our faith in Christ the way Mary admitted her faith? Listen to what she did. She took a jar of perfume that cost $36,000 in today's money. Do you hear me, church? A denarii was a, a day's wage for an average worker in that time. You worked six days, you made six denarii a week. You could make, however many they say it, 300 in a year. 300 and whatever it was. It's left me. I had that right. She broke something that was deeply expensive and brought, belonged to her and poured it on somebody's feet. And then she let down her hair. She was so willing to admit she loved Jesus that she let down her hair in public and broke every social and sensual taboo in her culture in one moment when she bent down and rubbed a man's feet in public with her hair to show him how much she loved him. Let me ask you, had Jesus taken hold of her heart? What do you think? Is there any doubt that she loved Him? I don't see how anybody could read that story and not be affected by how her love hung in the air of that room. I think that's what offended Judas. Because I don't think Judas loved Him as much as he loved his idea of Him. I think Judas loved the thought that Jesus was going to Jerusalem to cast out the Romans. I think he loved the thought of a Messiah, but I don't think he loved Jesus. Public displays of affection say a lot about us, church. When we publicly love our neighbor, when we publicly love our community, when we publicly love the hurting, the homeless, the hungry, those without clothing, when we publicly love people, we demonstrate to the world who Jesus is and the perfume of that love hangs in the air of our world. Aren't you tired of walking around in our world and smelling death? Smelling confusion? Terrorism? Hatred? Deceit? Our politicians can't even tell the truth anymore. Think about the smell that hangs over us and how different it would be if the church was breaking bottles of perfume every day at the feet of Christ. Because dear ones, your bottle of perfume is your life. Your love and your affections. You can pour them out for Him at the feet of the hurting, of people who are sad, of people who are lonely, of people who are in distress, of people who just need a hug or a friend. 
That's what offended Judas. Mary was showing her love. I hear people say all the time that we're going to make our country great again. We're going to reclaim our country. We're going to do this. Listen, if you want to make our country better than it is now, love people. Who you elect is not going to accomplish that. That will be accomplished when the church starts loving people again. When we love people enough to make a public spectacle of ourselves so that they can see Jesus for who He is. Because I tell you this, the other people in that room were just as affected as Judas was. Do you think that's safe to say, church? I bet they were just as affected in the other direction. I bet their hearts welled with love for Christ as well. Here's what you need to know. Here's why there's a blank in your bulletin. You have been grabbed hold of by the risen Christ. That's why you're here. You've been grabbed hold of to be used so that you can show your affection for Him out in this world and show this world that there's a better way to live. That there's a better way to be. That there's hope, that there's love, that there's joy, and that there's peace. And that this world doesn't have to bear the stench of death. It can bear this aroma, the sweet perfume of Christ's love. You've been chosen for that. To break open bottles of beauty at His feet. To serve Him with everything that you are. With everything that you have. And with everything that you will be. Believe me, what you will be tomorrow in Christ is better than what you are right now. You will never regret pouring yourself out at His feet. You will never be disappointed with the decision to follow Him. You will never find yourself wishing you could be that old person you used to be. You will always grow more and more in the perfection of Christ. And you will never, ever, ever forget that. Don't be afraid of a little paduh. Don't be afraid to let your love for Him show to your neighbors, to your co-workers, to the person who waits on you in the checkout line, to your wait staff today at lunch. At the least, we can put to death that stereotype that Jesus' people don't tip, right? Watch for ways that you can show others your love for Christ. Because like everybody else in that room, they needed to see Mary's love for Jesus. That's why the story is being told today almost 2,000 years later. Do you hear me, church? Almost 2,000 years later, we remember a woman breaking open a jar of perfume and wiping it on Jesus' feet with her hair. Because it speaks to our hearts of His love for us. Because He broke Himself open and poured Himself out for us. I dare say that we can risk pouring ourselves out for Him. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.